On behalf of Father Valencheck and the whole parish staff here at St. Sebastian's, we do wish you a very Merry Christmas. Verbum caro factum est et habitavit in nobis. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. My dear friends, there are four Gospels. In the early church, people had questions either about the divinity of Christ or his humanity. The first Gospel written, according to Augustine, was Matthew. Scholars tell us it was Mark. St. Mark's Gospel has no narrative or story of the birth in it. So when the early church went to look at who Christ was, who Christ is, the early church knew he was God and they knew he was man. But if you read the Gospel of Mark, it begins with a baptism. And at the baptism, the Father comes down and the dove comes down in the form of the Holy Spirit and says, this is my beloved son, listen to him. And then the Gospel of Mark ends with Jesus saying at the words of the cross, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? There were some in your early church that believed that divinity somehow came down upon this person, and he wasn't born God, and it left him when he was on the cross. That's called docetism, docaine. He seemed to be God. But if that's the case, we weren't saved because the God-man didn't die. He was a phantom, if you will, a ghost. Well, the early church knew that. Then come Matthew and Luke, Luke who knew Our Lady. They give us stories about the birth of Christ, for sure, and they tell us some details that we'd otherwise not have. But even further, that wasn't enough. He was just born a man. That's why the epistle today from Hebrews talks about angels. It was another heresy. Gnosticism. And they believed in all sorts of enneads and different divisions to divinity coming down from what they call the Father of Lights. We use that term, too. And that our Lord was somehow a high angel. And that's why St. Paul in Hebrews says, to what of the angels did he said, you are my son. So, to combat Gnosticism and Docetism, finally, St. John in his old age is inspired and gives us this gospel. And there's no doubt, there's no doubt, when we read this gospel, that he was God in the beginning. In arche in hologos, kai hologos poston theon, in principio era verbum, etc. In the very beginning, before creation. But where is this God? We might believe he was God from the beginning and true man. But does he really care about me? 
How could God possibly know what we have to suffer? Now, these might be some of the questions we ask sometimes, especially in moments of our pain. And the answers to these questions is, God really does care. God is closer than your own heart. God does indeed understand. He understands your suffering. In 1850, John Milley painted a picture of Christ working in his foster father's workshop, St. Joseph's workshop. It's entitled, Christ in the House of His Parents. Now, in that picture, the Christ child had given himself a bad gash on his finger and blood streams down to his feet. And our Blessed Lady was comforting him there. And although an imagery of this incident is made up, it very well portrays that Christ was human and that he understands our pain. It depicts very well what St. John means in today's Gospel. The Word became flesh. Why? Because God cares. God had absolutely no need to become one of us, but did so to convince us how much we mean to him. Think about how much you mean to God. You mean so much to God that God became a human just to convince you. And that if that isn't enough to convince you, Christ died for you. What more can God do to convince you he cares about you? And so the Gospel of John begins, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This Word, this Logos, is Christ. It really is truly amazing, almost unbelievable, that this Word, Christ, who existed since the beginning and is God, would become flesh. The Word was made flesh and lived among us, and we saw his glory. Now, we wouldn't expect God to mix with us by becoming flesh. The Gnostics sure didn't. But the Word became flesh because God became one of us to convince us that he does care about us. Because the Word became flesh in Christ, because he was one of us in every way except sin. He had the same emotions that you and I have. He loved other people, Martha, Mary, Lazarus, his disciples, John, the rich young man. He cried when he hurt a lot, when his friend Lazarus died, and before entering Jerusalem, because he knew that the city would not accept him as the Messiah, he wept, wept over Jerusalem. He also enjoyed social occasions. Remember in St. Luke's Gospel, in particular, we read of Christ attending many dinners. So much so that that rhyme was made up about him. A glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Christ felt pity for people when he saw them suffering. So when they were hungry, he multiplied the loaves and fish. He also got angry when people used the temple in the wrong way and the wrong purpose. He needed companionship 
How often did he take Peter, James, and John away with the rest on many occasions? And St. John, who wrote the gospel, was his closest friend. At the end of a hard day, our Lord fell asleep in the boat and was tired like any of us. He felt fear before his passion. Father, let this cup pass me. And he says in John, my soul is troubled. Imagine God saying, my soul is troubled. So when St. John says the word became flesh, he really means it. After all, he had seen Christ and had been his very close friend. As he says in our gospel today, the word was made flesh and he lived among us and we saw his glory. The world, the word dwelt among us. And he just didn't become flesh and live a quiet life. He was with us, curing the lepers, letting them touch him. Lepers weren't supposed to come up to a person and touch them. They'd become unclean. But that didn't stop our Lord. He touched them. He was the law itself. And he would heal them. Christ was a man of the people. He dwelt among them. And because Christ was a man of the people, he concentrated much of his ministry among those who really needed him, sinners. They knew they were welcome in his company. He was known as a friend of sinners. This word, Christ, became flesh and dwelt among us and made the Father known to us, as in the last line of the gospel today. No one has ever seen the Father. It's only the Son who is nearest to the Father's heart who's made him known. Now John is saying this, the reason that the Word became flesh was that we might get to know the Father. Christ is the Father's Word to us. He's the revelation of God the Father. So how do we get to know the Father? By getting to know Christ, the Son, the Word made flesh. That's the way to the Father. If we want to know the Father, let us go. we got to get to know Christ. And how do we get to know Christ? The same way as we get to know anybody. By spending time together. We spend time with Christ when we pray to him, when we read the Gospels, when we receive him in the Holy Eucharist, when we act in compassionate works of mercy to others, to our neighbors. So let's get to know Christ who became flesh by receiving his very fleshy sacrament and through prayer and reading the Gospels and acts of mercy and love so that we might get to know the Father. Now we cannot say anymore it's too difficult to get to know God. He's revealed himself to us in his Son to show us that he really does care. He cares about you He cares about me. Where is God? Does he really care about me? How could God possibly know what we have to suffer? Yes, we may ask these questions sometimes, especially in moments of pain. But the answer to these questions is God does care. He's closer than our own heart. 
He does indeed understand our suffering. He had absolutely no need to become one of us, but he did so as to convince us how much we mean to him. Think of how much you, you mean to God. You mean so much that he became one of us. May the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, give you a spirit of wisdom and perception of what is revealed to bring you to a full knowledge of him. May he enlighten your eyes, the eyes of your mind, so that you can see what hope his call holds for you and what riches and glories he has promised the saints who will inherit. Merry Christmas. The name of the Father and of the Son, Holy Spirit, amen.